NBA fans, welcome to another week, another episode of the NBA Second Stringers NBA podcast. This week we're breaking down Caruso's disgusting block on Lonzo Ball in that Pelicans versus Laker game. Ben Simmons goes down, Joel Embiid has a career high night, and then he goes down as well just a couple hours ago. And also, we'll check in with the Milwaukee Bucks, who are very close to potentially becoming the third team in the last 25 years to reach 70 wins, as well as we'll break down some of the best and worst performances of this week. But before we do that, Sean, it looks like you this week actually have the trivia question for me as opposed to me for you. <laughs> yeah, and I feel like I uh, want to jump in here and give you a little bit <laughs> of, of trivia on, on your part because I feel like I'm always the one trying to figure these things out. But yeah. uh, let's see if you can figure this one out. Um, so recently, um, recently being last weekend, Bradley Beal did something that has rarely been done in the history of the NBA. And in two days in a row, not just two games in a row, but two days in a row, put up 50-plus points in each of those games. So my question to you is, who is the last player to do that since Bradley Beal did it last week? Interesting. That's a That's a good way to put it. And I think... We always talk about back-to-back 40-plus point performances or whatnot, and we forget to mention that, well, you know, sometimes guys have two days off or a day off, mm-hmm. um, but then to actually do it literally back-to-back days, I didn't know this. This, yeah. is, a, this is a tricky one. Mm-hmm. I have two names that instantly come to mind. Okay. Uh, James Harden and Kobe. Okay. As the two names, and I'm going to lock in on James Harden being the last person to have done this. Oh, you were so close. <laughs> it was Kobe, wasn't it? It was Kobe, yep, in 2007. <laughs> um, he did it um, back-to-back games, but this is actually part of a streak, which you may remember, Alan. Like oh, he yes. got 50-plus four games in a row and ended the streak by only scoring a paltry 43 against the Warriors <laughs> at the end of it. <laughs> But yeah, 65 versus the Blazers, then 50 against the Wolves, and then the two days in a row um, was 60 versus the Grizzlies, and then 50 versus the Hornets um, wow. back there in March of 2007. Just yep. incredible. That makes sense. That was an mm-hmm. incredible year of scoring for the NBA. The <laughs> Probably the golden year of like that two-guard position dominance that we saw in the NBA for a string of years there. Wow, mm-hmm. that, that those were some good times. Um, yeah, yeah, I, that's incredible the way that that was able to be done. I mean, we see it nowadays, but when you watch games back from those days, and the other day before the Kobe Memorial uh, was kicking off, the night before that, I was watching uh, a rerun of the Lakers versus Boston Celtics in 2010. Mm. You forget just how much slower the game used to be and just how bad mm-hmm. the spacing used to be, too. <laughs> so now some of these performances, to me, seem so much a little bit more incredible since so they weren't quite as done as so much of that bulk wasn't from the three-point line or, right. or points off transition or off the free-throw line. Yeah, it just required so much more volume and to like actually bring up the pace above what it would normally be. And then some of the games, like you're saying... Yeah, it's like pedestrian to score 120, 130 points these this day. Like yeah. that was, that would have been a crazy score to see um, mm-hmm. just 10, 15 years ago. Exactly. Like right now, 
I think, yeah, Memphis cl- easily cleared 100 points but still managed to get blown out by the Houston Rockets <laughs> yeah, just yeah, right now. Which 140 yeah. is still a lot of points even in today's NBA. But, yeah, it's like not – like we don't consider that like incredible. You know, we're just like, oh, wow, yep, it happened. Yeah, I think, I think the Magic Hawks game today was like 130 to 120. <laughs> <laughs> and these are two awful teams. And, yeah, the Orlando's <laughs> offense is terrible. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, I mean, that's just the era we live in. But let's go to the Lakers here, start things off here, as they waved to Marcus Cousins just days after he appeared on uh, that podcast All with Matt Barnes. All the smoke, right. And he's saying the praises to the Lakers, LeBron James, and a bunch of other interesting quotes he gave. But it sounds like he's in good terms as he's still uh, rehabbing and, and working out with the Lakers training f- staff and facilities down in L.A. But the Lakers, and with removing DeMarcus Cousins, they use that space to sign Markeith Morris after he clears waivers here. Um, wow. What, what an interesting turn of events here. Yeah, the craziest part about this is, yeah, because he went on that podcast, Matt Barnes and Steven Jackson, and... It was funny, in one part of it, I don't know if you watched it, Alan, but in one part of it, they were talking about, I don't know, like Matt Barnes was making a joke about how, like, Jason Kidd's actually the coach of the Lakers and not Frank Vogel, (laughs) and they're, like, trying to, like, prod DeMarcus to, like, play along with them, and DeMarcus literally says... Man, you all trying to get me fined out here, or trying to get me waved out here. Like, stop talking about this. Don't get me waved. Yeah. And then the next day it happens. So it's just like, man, did they actually wave him for that? And it's like, this could, I think this is just the ultimate coincidence. Yeah, I think so. Uh, well. Which is so, it's so <laughs> tragic. Yeah. Because he's talking about like all the camaraderie the Lakers have, how it's like one through fifteen, all the guys, like whatever they're doing, like whatever one guy's doing, the rest of them are doing. If they go out to a movie together or whatever, and the, the prevailing joke um, the next day was, "Oh, if Demarcus Cousins gets waves, that mean the rest of the team gets waved too." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, but yeah, like you said, it seems like they're still gonna keep him around. Um, he's gonna. I don't think he has any desire to leave Southern California, um, like a normal human being shouldn't um so and he'll just be there rehabbing for a little bit and i don't know maybe maybe they'll be able to sign him next year uh once he's actually able to play a basketball game but it makes sense from a basketball standpoint mark markeith morris is, is a good piece um obviously not the morris brother that they wanted um but a, a nice little consolation prize yeah i agree and from a basketball i think it's all total coincidence from a basketball standpoint they probably realized how big of a mountain it was going to be for DeMarcus to climb to to finish through his rehab and then not only that but also get into basketball shape and then try to mm. seamlessly link up with this Laker crew who's now you know we're we're, we're only 20 something games away from the playoffs and this is a very oh. important run for this team so it 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 was going to be quite the mountain to climb so I think mm. if you can bring a guy in like Marcus Morris who's ready to go and hungry for that spot I think this is the direction you go, but I'm glad to see that things are done in good faith, and maybe we do bring DeMarcus Cousins along the journey next summer. Yeah, I think that's all you got to hope for. And um, adding in Markeith Morris does add a little bit of a fun little rivalry between the Clippers and Lakers too. Like, mm, not, yep, exactly. A little, just a little more fuel for the fire. <laughs> yeah, and I'm glad to see the Lakers managed to get somebody off this buyout market because for a while there it looked like they would completely miss any piece when clearly they're they are a team that does need a little extra a little extra help when you look at the landscape between the Clippers uh and what they've got going on their roster. 
But mm-hmm. I, I made a little note here that Marquise Morris might have been the big pickup. But honestly, the secret weapon for this Laker team isn't the buyout market. It's somebody who's already on this roster. Mm-hmm. That's my man, Alex Caruso. That disgusting block on Lonzo Ball and then the and <laughs> one on the other side. Yes. I, I was, I've been impressed with this guy. When LeBron James and Alex Caruso are both on the floor, they have an offensive rating that goes 117.9 points per 100 possessions. And to put that in context, that's better than the number one offensive rated team that is the Dallas Mavericks. So this is a combination that works and I think has got only, is only getting better. And I think Frank Vogel is starting to notice that as we see Alex Caruso's minutes start to uptick here for this Laker team. And I'm excited for what's to come from, for them. I'm incredibly disappointed that it took them this long to figure it out. <laughs> yeah. Have we not been saying this the entire year in the preseason? Were we not talking about this? <laughs> when when you were when you were sad about TJ McConnell not being there, how did I cheer you up? I'm like, you don't need TJ McConnell. You already have the guy that you've been hoping for, and it's right. Alex Caruso. And it took them long enough. It took them 60 games almost to figure it out. But I'm glad that they at least finally came to their senses and started playing this man a little more. Yeah, and this is the guy that the Lakers have needed and should have brought in from the summer. But it looks like it happened for a good reason because Alex Caruso it seems to be that guy, that smart decision maker, pass first guy who's willing to take hits on the defensive end. He's he he's just he's just a, a winner and he's such a great mm-hmm. fit for this squad and I, I'm so excited that he's come out um and he does look to be that secret weapon for the playoff run and we'll we're gonna we're gonna see some tough playoff battles if, if we get Caruso versus Pat Bev uh, Caruso <laughs> versus <laughs> Lou Williams Caruso versus yes. Reggie Jackson and all that string of guards the Clippers have out there yeah that'll be fun and man Avery Bradley. Like, you're just going to have to take a back seat, man. Like, mm-hmm. make some room for this guy because, man, Bradley has been a huge disappointment. All that hype we heard about in the offseason about how he was unguardable and he was so well-conditioned. Yeah. It was nothing. It was well, he's had, he's, he's had some games where he shoots the ball really well. I think he just needs to – I think he just needs some consistency. I think he, he needs to build some rhythm. But, yeah, the Lakers are – they're definitely in a weird spot, kind of similar, I guess, to the Clippers as well, where they've got a string of injuries, where the Lakers mm-hmm. also still have not really solidified what their lineup moving forward is going to look like. Where does Kuzma fit? Is he Does he continue to be that power forward off the bench, or is he going to move over to the wing? And is Anthony Davis a true center now Now that we're heading into the playoffs? I don't know. They've got some, some, some minor details there in the rotation to still figure out. Yeah, and where do you, where do you put Markeith Morris in the rotation? How many, how many minutes are you giving him? And that's that's another tricky part. It's like he's he's a good player, but it's like he doesn't really fit that seamlessly into everything. I mean, Dwight Howard's been great. JaVel McGee's been great splitting the minutes between those guys at center. And you got mm-hmm. Anthony Davis at the four. I guess you kind of – it almost feels like Markeith Morris might get the lower end of the deal where he basically will just jump in for Anthony Davis a couple of times and you still keep playing uh, Dwight at the – Dwight at the five and Javel at the five, or maybe at times you go smaller and but still not sacrifice too much length where you get you keep Davis at the five and Markeith at the four. Yeah, I, I don't I don't see this being something where Markeith's gonna be a starter at no. any point. And like 
I, I feel like he is going to be limited to like 15 minutes a game, and he's just going to end up, whenever Davis comes out, they'll just bring Markeith in to replace him at the four. Yeah, I think it's, it might be one of those situations. And, and and I guess in special circumstances where Dwight and JaVale are just taken out of the game, that's where you go Davis and Markeith. And you got and you got LeBron Kuz you got LeBron and Kuzma on the wings right. like that might be where you where you go to a lineup like that which in the Lakers um for to the Lakers advantage that still gives you incredible length on the floor and I think that this is a team that definitely is relying on that through mm-hmm. through so far this season yeah yeah it's crazy the Lakers have been so great all year but like there's so many question marks I feel like people have about them still which is yeah. like what more can they do? You know, like they're just mm-hmm. sitting there winning games. Like <laughs> it's not like they're doing anything wrong. Right. And I think it, a lot of that just goes to having the best two man punch in this game right now. Um, but yeah, I mean, it would be great for us fans to start seeing a consistent, consistent rotations and lineups being thrown out there. Something that we can feel confident behind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, how, how about how confident do you feel that Milwaukee Bucks are right now? Uh, having yeah. clinched the flare playoff berth already. Yeah, this is this is incredible for this team. I mean, it also just again, like we said last week, also speaks to just how bad the Eastern Conference is. That gap between the Milwaukee Bucks, the number two seed, and all the way down to the number four seed is just incredibly big. And not only are they clinching this playoff spot, but I mean, we still got to check in on this team in terms of their 70-win march. <laughs> I mean, they have yet to lose two in a row. Uh, they beat Toronto this week to get their win, the win number 50. And now they're still on that trajectory where they need to win 20 of their next oh, 24. Man. That's still so much. <laughs> it's still so much. But when you break it down, it seems all the more possible. They got one game against the Lakers, two against Boston, mm-hmm. two against Toronto, and one against Denver. And then you got 11 against teams under 500. And you got some string beans in there, like the 76ers. <laughs> string beans. Yeah. <laughs> what does that mean? What just is some, a string bean? <laughs> just like a middle tier team, a tier three tier, you know, a tier three basically playoff team. I don't think they really, I mean, I guess you could consider tier two the Pacers at this point um, and Boston. But I think, I, th- I think it looks, it looks very, very, um, probable in my eyes that they can hit this 70 win, 70 win number or if not just simply 69 or 68 but still nonetheless they hit 70 they'll be the third team in the last 25 years to have done it um uh, i can I, I i think i i would like to see it done and at the same time i obviously it doesn't really speak too much volume as i don't think that they're still the favorite to win the whole thing did you hear the term string bean from somewhere or did you make that up yourself? <laughs> it just came out of the it just came out of the came out of my head right now, man. That's that's what I love about you, man. You you, you are a pioneer. <laughs> they're they're string beans, you know. They're, they're not string beans. they're just the nets, the magic, they're just a bunch of string beans. They're not they're not they're not a rock, they're not anything solid, they're just kind of dragged along into the playoffs and we all know what's gonna happen. They're just gonna lose. They're string beans. Yep. They're just bland old string beans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't think they're gonna get seventy. I think they're gonna start resting at the end of the year. Like it might not be that many games, it might be a couple, 
But mm-hmm. I think you're going to start seeing them start resting onto Takumpo, even though he has been able to manage his minutes pretty well throughout the year where he's able to play 25 to 28 minutes sometimes. That's only like half the game. And they're yeah. able to dominate, and he doesn't have to play very much, which I think has really been helpful for his health overall this year. He's only been out a couple of games. But, man, 20, you got to go 20 and 4. If any team, man, if, if they can do it, I think they can do it. Oh, but I think, they I, can do I, it, think yeah. it's, I don't know, I still think it's less likely than is likely. Like, I, I feel like 68, 68 is probably what they're going to end up being. Okay. Yeah, and I mean, obviously that that probably is true. Um, I I think I think they can do this. I think they can hit seventy. I think they lose. Maybe they lose that Laker game at Staples. They mm-hmm. lose one of those Boston games, but ultimately, uh, I think they can beat Toronto. Maybe yeah. they. I, I guess maybe they could split that. One, and even one of those then... one of those string bean teams is going to surprise them. <laughs> the Orlando Magic or Brooklyn Nets? <laughs> I don't yeah, think man. so. Maybe, maybe I a, guess it's a possible. scrappy, uh, a scrappy Memphis Grizzlies or something. I don't think I they don't have... even know if they're playing the Grizzlies anymore. No, I mean, do you, could you see them losing to like the Pistons? They have like a couple games against. Uh, the Pistons. no, not the Pistons. <laughs> <laughs> the worst not, definitely, the yeah, definitely not the Pistons. They got. They, they might Cavs be the worst. Game. Yeah, dude. Ooh, the, yeah, they're not going to lose to the Cavs either. Uh, yeah, it's going to come down to one of to uh, is, these six. Okay, see a string bean team. OKC is a, kind of a string bean team. Uh, well, they're, they're like going borderline. up against OKC. That's their next game is OKC. They're, uh, they're string bean. You you think OKC is string bean? I think they're borderline string bean. Yeah, mm. they're like they're like a tier three. They're still oh no, like they do play Memphis. They do play Memphis in March. Okay, but they're gonna. Right, they're that's gonna a string bean right there. Oh, that's totally a string <laughs> bean. Team. They're gonna whoop on that team. <laughs> okay, yeah, they got they got a good amount of string beans here. Yeah, they, Memphis they got a good is nice long. mixed bag. Yeah, they lost Jaron Jackson. They're definitely a string bean team now. They don't have anybody to guard Giannis or any of their big guys. <laughs> no one can guard Giannis except for yeah. apparently Al Horford, and that's why the Sixers brought him in. But we've yet to determine that. They might not even have to. <laughs> Actually, worry no. About I the think Kawhi is the only one that can guard Giannis. Yeah. But anyways, talking about the 76ers, let's just move on and we'll keep our eye close on the 70-win watch for, yeah. the, for the Bucks. But moving on to the 76ers, Ben Simmons goes down, nerve impingement in his lower back. He'll be reevaluated in two weeks. Then Joel Embiid just goes off for 49 points against the Atlanta <laughs> Hawks. He's high energy. He's just cursing and flipping the finger to <laughs> Kevin Huerter. And guess what? <laughs> Maybe you can call it karma or who knows, but now he is also hurt. Shoulder sprain and has an MRI scheduled for Thursday. Both of these guys go down, and it seems like they might go down with for some serious time. Uh, maybe not serious, but a good amount of time. So I'm looking at it at best two weeks. That means they missed seven games here for the 76ers. For the sem- from for the 76ers with only 23 games left for this squad who's sitting at the sixth seed right now. Or the fifth seed, um, it's not looking good. I think for this team, it looks yeah, like there's <laughs> this is terrifying. Yeah, it looks like to me that it's likely that they're not going to make a run to keep home court advantage in the playoffs. It looks like they're gonna they're gonna end up being a tier three spot. Yeah, I mean, and Ben Simmons was playing so well, you know, like while Embiid was hurt, especially, uh, but he was really finding his rhythm and just really stepping up and being the leader on this team and. 
this is such a huge blow. They they say they're going to reevaluate him in two weeks, but it could be even longer than that. Yeah. And, I mean, their hope, obviously, is that he's able to get a little bit of rhythm before the playoffs start. But the Sixers are going to slide now for a good <laughs> little bit here. Um, they, I mean, they're not. I think they're obviously they're gonna not fall behind the Nets or the Magic, um, right. but uh, the the Sixers could overtake them, and um, they could get a good gap to push the Sixers all the way to the ironically the sixth seed, and <laughs> that would mean that they'd probably be going up against uh, Toronto or Boston. Um, definitely not ideal for them as they'd probably want to play um, probably the Pacers or the Heat more so and. Now, that's really bad for seeding. Embiid, who knows what's going to happen with him. Uh, you hope this isn't serious either, but having an MRI tomorrow, uh, he's out for an extended period of time. You always worry about lingering stuff with Embiid because he doesn't seem yeah. to heal as fast as a normal human being <laughs> or at least a normal NBA player. And you're running with Tobias Harris. This is this is the Detroit Pistons yeah, exactly. <laughs> of uh, 2018. And... That's not enough. You got 35 year old Al Horford to back him up. They're gonna. I mean, you, we just saw what happened to them tonight. They lost to Cleveland by 14 <laughs> points. Like Tristan this, Thompson this is what, had yeah, Tristan, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Colin Sexton just made them yes. look silly. Like the, this is gonna be what the next two weeks at least are gonna look like for them. If Ben Simmons can't come back um, as soon as he can, this is it's gonna be ugly. They're gonna be in the sinking teams. Yeah, this is bad. And yeah, you 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 did mention the Orlando Magic and the Nets. There is a gap there. Um so they they're fortunate to have that, but the 6 seed I'm not going to rule it out. Like I think that that now seems like a very likely good likely spot for them. And in terms of what's on this roster, especially losing Ben Simmons, you lose your primary ball handler. You don't really have much on the roster to replace him other than one man. Shake Stop. Milton. Oh, Shake God. Milton. Nine points. Stop and he's not it. been playing that bad. 46% shooting and 43.5% from three. This guy, this guy can shake things up, Sean. Oh, stop it. Oh, you did not go there. Are you, are you calling these out as good stats? Like, I'm calling them it's out. It's nine points, dude. It's nine points. I'm calling them out as relatively good compared oh, to what he's done. And on. at this point... It's the best this team has oh, got, and you can take it from there. But I'm gonna try to look at the positives and and give props to my man Shake Milton to go out there and <laughs> and give it his best and get himself an NBA contract and shine at this opportunity. But on the other end of the stick, as a team, <laughs> this team is going to struggle, and they got themselves a tough West Coast road trip um, heading out next week as they go against the Lakers and the Clippers. And they might be the first team to go up against the Steph Curry Warriors in this road trip as well. But not only that, they got a couple other tough matchups against uh, the top tiers of the Eastern Conference. So they don't have an easy road ahead of them. And in terms of could they be a sinking team? Yes, we could talk about them a couple times. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. And I'm not going to talk about Shake Milton. I, I don't know why he even set me up for that. I, <laughs> I'd rather talk about freaking Korkmaz than Korkmaz. Shake Milton. He's actually getting double-digit points sometimes. Milton, yeah. had tw- Milton had 20 points last game. That's great for him. You know what? It was a loss to the Cavs. <laughs> That's, yeah, I guess his career high. 
So yeah. I mean, I'm happy for him. I, I'm Res- sure he's he's stoked that he has the opportunity, and I'm sure he's worked really hard for it. Respect the box uh, score, he- Sean. <laughs> Respect the box score. <laughs> Not man, this was like a G League game, <laughs> Cleveland versus Philadelphia with no Embiid or Simmons. Yeah. That that's one of the games where it's like you get the free shirt, the free hot dog, and the the fifty percent off coupon for yeah, your next set. Yeah, this is one of those games where I like look at it. I'm just astounded that you can go to a basketball game for three dollars. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's a lot cheaper. Yeah, than college game. Um, but enough, enough, enough. These are respectable NBA franchises at one point in time. Um, yeah, yeah, so let's get a big deal of forgetful. Malink Monk suspended indefinitely for violating the league's anti-drug program. And we were just talking about him. You know, Sean, we were talking about Malik Monk. You know, he's put together a good string of basketball games. And now all of a sudden this gets slapped on him. I know. It's really it's really sad. He just finally seen this have found his groove in the NBA. Um, after a couple of few years where he just wasn't really doing much. And mm-hmm. I mean, that kind of just seems to be the way of the Charlotte Hornets. Um, but I think the reason that he was playing so well, they're like, well, now we have to drug test him, <laughs> see if anything's fishy. And sure enough, they found something. And whether or not it was PEDs is yet to be determined. Um, but it's just stupid, man. It's just like, <laughs> why are these players doing this? It's like, I know Mal- I like Malik Monk, you're like you're trying to prove yourself. Uh, you had a lot of hype coming out of college. Um, you just haven't performed the way you want to. So you feel like you need something to give you a little extra boost. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't know what the situation is here. I really, I really hope that it's nothing like that and that it's able to be resolved quickly. I mean, he could end up not playing for the rest of the year now. Um, if he faces a 25-game suspension similar to what John Collins and DeAndre Ayton had to start the season, uh, which is just terrible because this is a guy who's finally, like we said, trying to find his groove, uh, was playing some good basketball, and now it's all just going to be for naught. Yeah. You know what I say to that? I say, go get him next year, Malik Monk. Oh, I think this is forgetful. The Charlotte Hornets aren't doing much. Malik Monk, has, yeah, he's just struggled to really assert himself in the league, and Finally got it together, but I think all this means is he's going to get another opportunity next year. I don't think any any team is ready to just let this guy go fall and fall into the depths of the G League and journeyman type yeah. stuff. Yeah, I mean, even Josh Jackson, who's like notoriously like the worst like screw up in the recent <laughs> NBA, is like he's actually playing for the Grizzlies now because uh, they have their fair share of injuries there too. So, I mean, everyone gets a second chance, you know, if the talent's there. And Malik Monk has the talent. And he just gotta he's gotta be a little smarter. Yeah. How about Mike Conley losing his starting job and then it flips on flips <laughs> that Joe Ingles yeah takes takes that is is the one Joe Ingles is the one that's getting taken out of the starting lineup. But still I think the the underlining story here is that we're you know, the Utah Jazz have less than twenty five games left. Um, 75% of the, almost 75% of the year done, but yet Mike Conley has still not really integrated himself into that Utah Jazz team. And is this a big deal of forgetful for the Utah Jazz as, as they head towards the final stretches of the year? It's kind of a big deal. Uh, I don't know exactly what happened with the whole people thought it was Conley, then it was Joe Ingles. Mm-hmm. But if there is something to that, if the Jazz even themselves were, reluctant to know like which player they need to take out of their starting lineup to mix things up. Um, it shows some really deep chemistry problems with this team. 
Yeah. Something that you'd never really expect because it's such a well-coached team. It's a well-run organization. Uh, the players all seem to buy into it, but on the basketball court, it's just not working as intended as it should. Uh, where it, ha- it seemed like at times it's been good, but um, they have to reinsert like Mike Conley back into the lineup, or they have to put Joe Ingles into the starting lineup and then take him out. Uh, it just seems like they haven't really been able to develop any stability in their lineup this whole season. And Mike Conley is really the big biggest part of that. Uh, mm-hmm. They started the year with him, did not go well. He got injured. They kept winning after he got injured because this was the team that they had last year, and they were able to give Joe Ingles that role back in the starting lineup. And then you have, try to reassimilate Conley back in, and it just doesn't seem to be working. He has a good string of games, but then he gets injured again. I really think Mike Conley is the root problem of this team. I think I think this is just a huge regression for him. I think he hasn't caught onto the system as well as a lot of people thought he would. Mm-hmm. And it's just causing a lot of holes and they obviously he's bought into the program like we've heard it in interviews like he he wants to show that he can still play, but it's just the results just aren't there. Yeah, and it's true. It seems like where where Conley's on and off play goes that's how the Utah Jazz's record has gone it feels like if we line graph the Utah Jazz it would be this string of up and downs and like very Mm -hmm. little consistency and it's almost similar to the Houston Rockets I think and but the Utah Jazz even more weird because the Houston Rockets have had roster uh, rehauls where the Utah Jazz have consistently maintained their core but have just slipped in Mike Conley Um, but yeah it seems like he's the root of this problem because it feels like not long ago, we were talking about the Utah Jazz being a top three team, and now they're they've fallen all the way down to the sixth seed, losing a string of game, going on these losing streaks during periods of the year, and their offense just not looking very good at times. I mean, you still got Rudy Gobert, the consistent centerpiece at the defensive end, but their offense just looks super funky sometimes. Sometimes it looks very seem very very seamless. And but as of lately, it's just has not looked good. Mike Conley doesn't look good out there. He looks slow. He looks like he's not making the right decisions at times. I don't know. It's a it's he it does seem like a big deal, especially at this time of the year. It almost feels like maybe you limit Mike Conley's minutes and you just don't try to force it as much and just roll with the roll with the old core. Yeah. So in the game today, it doesn't look like the experiment has had any early signs of success. Joe Ingles off the bench, twenty six minutes. Two points, two rebounds, two assists. Yeah. that uh, No production from him <laughs> off the bench. So, you insert Royce O'Neal. He, he had a decent game. 14 points, four rebounds, three steals. But, yeah, it still, still just doesn't seem like they're able to get any off. I mean, Bogdanovich had a bad game, but Mitchell was really the only guy that produced for them. Yeah, that's a stinker because this team was something that seemed like the the moves that they made was real were seemed like really excited things to get behind and it's proving otherwise at this point but hey they got twenty something games left maybe they can figure something miraculously out um but moving on from there a big deal I forgetful Steph Curry returning to the lineup uh, potentially as early as this Sunday I think it's a big deal the NBA's ratings need to increase a little bit uh, <laughs> and the Warriors are a big part of that and people. Obviously, love watching the Warriors play last year. They don't get to really see anything exciting from them this year, so the ratings tank. Steph Curry going back into the lineup, that's going to bring people back. So I think that's a big deal um, for the ratings for the rest of the year. Is it a big deal for the Warriors? I think 
it's not really a big deal. I think it's forgetful for them. He's not going to be anywhere near the player he was last year. Um, he's not going to be able to do that in a month and a half. Yeah, I agree. It's He's taking a lot of time off and, I'm not really sure where his head at is at right either when he comes back to the back to this team. I mean, this this is such a different Warriors team. Any of the names out there, I'm not really sure I can name the starting lineup for the for the Warriors. I I mean, outside of Draymond Green, I don't know. I don't <laughs> it changes know. Changes all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know who this roster is, but I was about to say forgetful, but that point you brought up on the NBA ratings and just having <laughs> that name back out there. Oh yeah. That is important. You're right because. If I'm not mistaken, I think there are still at least two or three Warrior games on primetime national TV. So mm-hmm. you can't keep throwing the Warriors out there with Eric Pachil and God, I don't know who any of these <laughs> Jordan other dudes, Poole. Jordan Poole, exactly. Yeah. I mean, if it's a blowout, at least give us Steph Curry. Right, exactly. Yeah, give us something entertaining to watch. Yeah. Yeah, and, I bet they have. I bet they have even more than three national games because when the f- schedules first come out for these teams, like the Warriors always get a ton of national games. Yeah, I saw a couple of ABC games with the Warriors on there. Oh man, uh, this is crazy, dude! They got they have so many more national games. One, oh. two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, eleven. Yikes! <laughs> but at least all they'll all have Curry from now on. Yeah. So. Looking at the injury report, Kyrie Irving goes down, season-ending shoulder shoulder surgery. Jaron Jackson Jr. sprained knee out at least two weeks. Wow, two two big guys on two teams who are trying to lock in their playoff spot right now. Who's the tougher blow to which team, Sean? Jaron Jackson, by far, it's not even close. <laughs> it's not. Even, do you, do you disagree? First of all, uh, <laughs> I just think it's funny because you. Yeah, I totally just saw you giving that answer, but yes, I think <laughs> it's so. so. It's so much, Jaron Jackson. Kyrie, man, they do not need Kyrie <laughs> on this version of the Nets. If Kevin Durant was healthy, yes, they do need Kyrie Irving as that second star. But as it stands, they are almost a better team without him. And I, we even without when they didn't have Kyrie's Levert, they had the same record with Spencer Dinwiddie running the show as they did with Kyrie being the leader of the team. And now you have Carice Levert back, and he has done more than fill in for Kyrie. To, to your dismay, Alan, I know. <laughs> and you kick yourself every night wondering what could have been on your fantasy team, but he has just been phenomenal in Kyrie's absence. Yeah, and I mean, it's crazy because Carice is doing exactly what we all felt he could do heading into this year. And he wasn't doing it at first. And it was like, well, what the heck is going on? He gets hurt. Kyrie gets hurt. Kyrie comes back, puts it together a couple games. Then then Kyrie comes back and Kyrie is back to scoring single digits. Kyrie goes mm-hmm. out and now Kyrie <laughs> is just like on fire. It's crazy. Yeah. I've never seen anything like this where one single guy just blatantly uh, throws off the scoring for the for the other two pieces um, yeah, it's kind of it's crazy, bizarre. Right? <laughs> yeah, and it's going to be interesting to see what happens when this team actually does have two functioning superstars next year with Kyrie and Kevin Durant. Mm-hmm. What happens with Dinwiddie and Levert? But I mean, Din and Levert's been fantastic. He's averaging t- almost twenty-one points in the month of February, four rebounds, four point seven assists, and nearly two steals a game <laughs> for Kyrie Levert. 
uh, it now being in that starting lineup alongside Dinwiddie, making up that powerful chemistry, that powerful backcourt chemistry between him and Spence. Uh, it's it's looking good for for that for them as far as their production goes. But I mean, they're still winning some games, losing others. I mean, they just lost to the Washington Wizards tonight. Like that's a terrible <laughs> loss. I, I mean, Lavert had a good game, but otherwise, it's like they're not a, a great team without Kyrie. But they don't need him now. Jaron Jackson Jr. On the other hand, this Memphis team is they're done. Yeah, I called it. I didn't call it because Jaren, I knew Jaron Jackson Jr. is going to get hurt. But this just adds insult to injury, literally yeah. at this point, because they, we, we, those la- these last few games that they've been had to play without him, they just look abysmal. Right, and I think that's a good transition to sinking teams, and that's the Memphis Grizzly on a four-game mm-hmm. losing streak. It, it, yeah, it's you wrote here; it's all starting to unravel, <laughs> and it is. I mean, this last game against the Rockets, it was done by the first quarter. Who who and the game before this one? Oh, it was against the Clippers. Mm-hmm. That game was also done within oh, like the first we five were, minutes. It was like a, <laughs> we were had like a thirty point lead on them by halftime, and yeah. it was the same thing against the Rockets tonight. I think after the first quarter, I was watching the game. It was like thirty five to seventeen. Exactly, they, it, they had no answer for them. Yeah, it seems like it almost feels like they should call mercy and just end the game at the <laughs> at the end of the first half. Like there was no shot. And it's it's and you wouldn't think that Jaron Jackson Jr. would be that big of a big that be that big of a blow, but I mean he just does so many things for them. He's just a big energy piece for this squad, and they're so young that I think when you lose a guy like that, everything just seems to unravel. And they have such a they have such a difficult schedule ahead of them too. And mm-hmm. I wanted to cheer on for the Cinderella story here, um, and I'll still stand by my pick, but it's looking more and more likely that. This is not the team to to take this eight seed. Yeah, I mean they don't. <laughs> yeah, they certainly aren't playing like a playoff team. No. And I mean, the, I mean, Jaron Jackson doesn't look like he'll be out for the rest of the season, but we don't know for sure when he's going to come back. It's going to be at least a few more weeks. Mm-hmm. Where are they going to be at that point? I mean, uh, if we look at their schedule, I mean, like you said before, they have the league's hardest schedule remaining. Um, and they've already had to play against a gauntlet of teams, and it's still the, they still have the hardest schedule. Uh, they have some easy ones in there, though. Um, two games against the Hawks is going to be huge. They have to win those. <laughs> and then they have to get revenge on the Kings. They, do, they play the Kings next. They lost to them in this four-game losing streak currently. They have to get revenge there. Um, John Morant can only do so much. Jonas Valanciunas is starting to look more and more just too slow. Yeah, you know, with it, which, which each which with each passing game, it just it doesn't look right, and it's not that I think Jaron Jackson is like the most integral player on this team. I think John Morant is the most important player on this team. Right. It's that they don't have the depth anymore. Mm-hmm. They tr- they all the pieces they traded for at the deadline, none of them are contributing. Justice Winslow has been hurt the entire year. You were never gonna play Dion Waiters. And so, who are you waiting on still? You have Gorgie Jiang, you got from the Timberwolves. You have Jordan <laughs> Bell. Like, the, like you had to call up Josh Jackson from the G League <laughs> just to fill out the roster. You're starting DeAnthony Melton. Kyle Anderson is just, like, the slowest, slow, slow, slow player <laughs> I've ever watched play basketball. 
it's like unbelievable. I don't know. I don't know what he's doing out there. He's like slower than Joe Ingles. Yeah, and I mean, you called it right. Like you said, the Jay Crowder trade was going to hurt them way mm-hmm. for, further down the line, and I think this is a good. This is a good scenario right here to prove that point. Mm-hmm. They need Jay. They need Jay Crowder. And right. Yeah. You got play back. <laughs> right. You got to play Yang nineteen minutes. You're playing Jaron Jackson twenty minutes. Kyle Anderson should not be getting this many. Like Jay Crowder could command thirty minutes on this team. It would make it would clean up things so much more. Uh, they just have a lot of bad pieces here that they can't afford to play if they're trying to keep this eight seed, which they still have a two and a half game lead on the Blazers, a three game lead on the Pelicans, and a couple teams um, behind them too. Uh, it's gonna end up being a very close race, and I don't see Memphis's fortunes really getting much better over the rest of the season. They're they're gonna have to find some of that midseason magic they tapped into earlier, and they're Jaron Jackson cannot come back soon enough. Right, and I think you mentioned the the wins against Atlanta and the Sacramento Kings, but I got two yeah. more games for you. They have to win mm. two games against the Pelicans. They still have on their schedule. Yes, yes. those are those are must must wins for sure. Yeah, and those are two games in a row. Yeah, in a row. That's <laughs> that's gonna be big time, and you know the, these teams are gonna be close because the Pelicans still have one of the easiest schedules in the league. They're gonna mm-hmm. keep winning games, and Memphis. I, I know I don't know, dude. I don't want to say I told I, I called it, <laughs> but this <laughs> it, it didn't even take a few games after the trade deadline or after the All Star break. It's like immediately after. It's like okay, yeah. And this, I mean, it, this facade is over. Yeah, I mean, you definitely owe you credit because you were definitely pounding. You know, the table. It's like <laughs> hey, hey, like they have the toughest schedule. Like it doesn't <laughs> look like it's gonna make sense. And I still wanted to believe in this story, but, and I mean, a part of me still does, but yes, I'm looking at it. I can't blame you for that. (laughs) Yeah, this injury is hurt and it's 75% chance, I would say they, they're not making the playoffs. Um, I mean, in fact, 538 has the, the Pelicans with a 68% chance of making the playoffs and Memphis a 6% chance. That's what it's looking at. 68%. Man. That's all it takes. All it takes one losing streak. Mm hmm. That's right. So, but we'll, you know, that's just what it is. And the schedule more than anything, I think is influencing that number as well as this Jaron Jackson Jr. Uh, injury. But about mm-hmm. the Utah Jazz, I mean, we just talked about them with Mike Conley. They're on a four game losing streak right now. And this is a, this is a bullet point. Something that I was mentioning too is that they are a streaky team. They've, mm-hmm. they've gone on several, le- several streaks, both winning and losing. And it feels like we go up and down when we talk about them on this podcast where they're, are they a tier one? No, they're, I mean, are they a tier two or are they tier three? They I keep know. going back and forth on that. <laughs> so true. Yeah. It's funny because I, I think it has been a alter, it's been a carousel where one, one day or one week they're on our rising team section and the next they're on our sinking teams. It's mm-hmm. almost like clockwork. Like, Next week, we'll probably have them in our rising teams again. Like, they mm-hmm. won four games, then they lost five, then they won four, now they've lost four. <laughs> it's kind of insane at this point. Like, how is, have our teams that systematically streaky? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I feel like the... And, I mean, it's the common recipe for this team. It's like they rely so much on their defense, and their offense has just been so up and down, and they get, they have Conley coming in and out of the lineup... I think that's really been the story for this team. It's like they just can't adjust to the right rotation. And Joe Ingles' play has also just been super inconsistent this year. 
Yeah, like they're just not able to really find find that next step that they need to get to. It's like they're obviously a very good team. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we questioned at one point if they were a tier one team, and I think after they lost the, had their five game losing streak, we're like, okay, like there's no way a tier one team can go on a five game losing streak. No, like they're firmly a tier two team, and th- it's not going to be any different for the rest of the year. They they could go on another six game winning streak after this, and I'd still say that they're a tier two team. Just because you can't you can't go on these losing streaks so consistently, yeah. As a, as a tier one team, like the Clippers and Lakers, they only lose one or two games in a row. Like yeah. you, that's that's all you're allotted. The, the, I don't think the Bucks have lost two games in a row the whole year. So or even the Denver Nuggets, yeah, or even the Denver Nuggets, or like the Toronto Raptors. <laughs> you know, so you cannot put yourself in that upper echelon, and it's just this team. I don't have any high hopes for them to do anything in the playoffs. This is just looks like a first round exit automatically. Yeah. Unfortunately I, I'm leaning towards that way too. And I've been a fan of the Utah jazz, as you know, a bandwagon Utah jazz fan, I'd say, cause not a permanent one for the last three years. I've been a fan of the Donovan yeah. Mitchell and Gobert pairing, but it's just not looking like it's going to happen. Um, mm-hmm. They just keep trying and, Joe Ingles looks like he's 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 regressing, and the Mike Conley thing is just not working right now. Yeah. Uh, it's know. really hard as a, as one of these, I guess, smaller market teams to get the guys you need mm-hmm. to like fill in the holes that, that you need. And they tried; they really did. They tried to fill their offensive hole with Bogdanovich, and he he's good, but he's just not dynamic enough of a player. He's just not not enough punch. Yeah, you know he's he's on the older side now. Like a fifteen set to seventeen a point a game guy isn't what they need. They need a second star with Donovan Mitchell if they want any hope of contending. And Rudy Gobert isn't the right type of star um, to bring them to that next level. Like yeah. he's a great piece, but they need a scoring threat. Yeah, and I think they just got to hope for a good off good summertime and maybe try to clear up some cap space and go after somebody. I'm not sure who that is, yeah, but that's there's something. There's no one out there. Yeah. <laughs> who are you going to get? I don't Especially, know. like, this This is the, one of the driest free agencies I think we'll see in a long time. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. I hope some guys opt out and we see some cool movement because, I mean, that's one of my favorite parts of our off-season podcast is just talking about all the moves. <laughs> but I don't see a lot of movement happening this off-season, and the Jazz are going to be um, hurting for people. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... Yeah, we'll have to wait and see see on that. Um, so honorable mention you have here: <laughs> the Sixers losing Simmons and Embiid. Yeah. We talked about this, and yeah, we expect them yeah, to take I a mean, huge it's, hit. It's one here. of those like I predict them to be a sinking team. So I'm giving them an honorable mention because this is this is the start of it. If you're gonna yeah. lose by four, 14 to the Cavs, you don't even break a hundred points. <laughs> it, it's you're gonna be in for a rough ride. Yeah, exactly. So best performance of the week on the other side of that coin in terms of What about of, rising teams? Rising oh. teams. We gotta talk about some of these some of these hot streaks <laughs> some of these teams are on. I wanna talk about these Houston Rockets. Okay. I forgot we, I almost I, overlooked this entire oh, no, section. No. I, I I wanted to circle back to this one because <laughs> we, we gotta talk these small ball rockets, man. Five yeah. game winning streak, won nine of the last eleven. They have a 116.6 offensive efficiency rating over the last 10 games, which in comparison, uh, we were talking about the Lakers earlier today um, with one of their best lineups with James and Crusoe on the floor, 117.9. The Rockets averaging 116.6 across their lineups. 
Mm-hmm. Um, they're playing really well on that side of the ball, despite getting out-rebounded in every game of the winning streak. <laughs> um, as you would expect, it doesn't yeah. matter. It doesn't matter. Wow. There you go. It's the And that's obviously the easy criticism to give this lineup is like, well, how are you going to out-rebound any team or how are you going to get rebounds? And right there it shows that, yes, the hypothesis is true. This small ball lineup cannot rebound the ball however it doesn't matter all that much <laughs> yeah it's, it's interesting like it i had a feeling so when i think i remember a few weeks ago you asked me um after they beat the lakers and lost to the suns with this the first few games of the small ball lineup you asked which one of those games does this small ball team represent and i yeah. i did say i think it more represents when they played against the lakers and beat them mm. um and I think that's starting to come true a little bit. You're starting to see this team just like defenses can't figure it out. The spacing, yeah. the spacing is a dream um, for for drivers for shooters. That you have five guys around the perimeter, which works perfectly for Russell Westbrook's style of play because he's just going to run around the floor like a madman. And you mm-hmm. can't do that if you have a center anchored uh, to the paint. Uh, but this allows him to just have so much more room to operate. It helps everything flow so much better. The pace is crazy for this team, and I don't know. I don't know how long it's going to take till teams can figure out how to defend them. Um, but there's not a lot of time for them to figure it out. Mm-hmm. So it could end up being the thing that gets this team like over the hump. Maybe win a championship, sneak <laughs> in there, and surprise everybody. I mean, I don't know if I still would say they're a favorite uh, to win it. However, they're another streaky team like the Utah Jazz this year. They've gone up and down at times. They're top three. Then sometimes they, I think they've fallen all the way to the sixth seed at one point. Yeah. So they're yeah. number five or they're number four right now, um, which I think it's like a good spot for them. But yeah, I mean, more than anything, I'm interested in seeing what this looks like in the playoffs. And I think depending on who they get matched up with will be huge for them. I think they get matched up against OKC. I think that's a good matchup for the Rockets. Mm. I mean, I'd be really interested to see what they look like against the Lakers in a playoff series. Um, I don't know. There's just a lot of question marks still for this team. Obviously, I think it's working up until now, um, but we'll see. We'll see how it looks like in the playoffs, though. Yeah, and the addition of uh, Damari Carroll and Jeff Green were pretty big for this team, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, before that, you're wondering, like, oh, like, are they going to be able to run with just eight guys? But they do have a few guys that they can play. I mean, they played Jeff Green 23 minutes um, in the game tonight. He had 11 points, solid. Um, Damari Carroll played 18 minutes. So they're able to spread it around a little bit more now with this uh, regular season lineup. They're actually playing nine a nine-guy rotation now instead of eight, uh, which is going to take – I mean, James Harden only had to play 28 minutes tonight. So if they're going to start <laughs> blowing out some teams, they can do some Antetokounmpo-style – um, management of their superstars. I think it could work out. It, like this team is constructed, I think, in the best possible way it can be mm-hmm. um, to try to surprise some of these more heavyweights, these favorites in the Lakers and Clippers, because um, it's just something that you're not prepared for. Yeah, it's interesting, and I guess yeah, I don't really have a good answer for that. So I'm just more curious to see what this look, what this experiment continues looking like on the basketball court. Um, yeah, it's fun. It's really fun to watch for sure. Yeah. How about OKC though? Another team, you know, consistently just like we talk about, but they don't not quite at the front front lines. But 
Four-game winning streak, eight of the last ten, and they got the sixth seed. They're getting themselves up there. They're not just going to be the eighth seed or the seventh seed team that just sneaks in there. They're going there, riding on the coattails of Chris Paul, Steven Adams, and Gallinari. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the thing. It's a team effort for this Mm -hmm. team. Seven guys in double figures, three of the last four games, and the one where they didn't, six guys were in double figures, and multiple guys had seven, eight, nine points. Um, they, they, they just have contributors all across the floor. And it does remind me a lot of the Clippers of last year. It, yeah. It's a pretty identical type of team and they just get contribution all around the floor. You can't really double anybody. So they're able to play kind of like a fair game against them on offense. And they, they just have enough firepower to basically beat the teams that they're supposed to beat. Like they, they really haven't dropped a lot of games against teams that, they should beat the sub 500 teams. Um, but man, when they go up against like some of these teams in the playoffs, like these, these high caliber teams, like the Rockets, Lakers, Clippers, I just don't think it's going to be the same story, unfortunately. Yeah. So it's a really great thing. Like if they can nab like the six or seven seed, they'll, they'll nab at least the seven. If they can nab the six seed, like that, I think that's a really great accomplishment for them. Yeah. And like they'll be really proud of the season, but it's it any team that sees them in the first round is going to be so excited. <laughs> it's so I actually misspoke. They're actually in the fifth seed right now. They're with in the, the fifth U- seed with oh, Utah. The Jazz just lost. Yeah, with That's the Jazz right. just losing, they're mm. in the fifth seed. So they would be matched up against the Rockets in the first round, which I think would be interesting. It would be fun. It'd be really mm-hmm. fun to see that. I think that's about as good as you can write it up ratings wise. Yeah. Having yeah, the, the big <laughs> blockbuster trade between Westbrook and Paul and they go up against each other on opposite teams. I think that's really cool. Yeah, an easy way to determine who got the better end of the deal. Right there yeah. and then right before I mean, our eyes. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, they doubted Chris Paul, man. Um mm-hmm. but I think obviously Westbrook definitely fits their small ball lineup better as a rebounding guard versus Chris Paul, but yeah, this, that's that's exciting, man. Mm-hmm. I really want to see that now. I hope I hope Utah just keeps staying where they're at, <laughs> <laughs> stays on the sixth seed. Yeah, yeah. So how about okay? Now let's let's actually go into best performance of the week let's in terms it. of individuals. You, you cannot wait to talk about this. Yes, one, I mean I already mentioned it pro- earlier, but I'm going to mention it again. Alex Caruso, that block mm-hmm. Alonzo, that was the best performance of the week for me. I mean his stat line was okay: eight points, eight assists, three re- rebounds, two steals. He did have the team best plus twenty plus minus, yeah, so I'll get time. I'll give this man that. But that block was just so so symbolic. Sat and, him down on his back. Yeah, and then on man. the other side goes for the N one. I mean, we were talking about it. Lonzo oh, yeah. Ball number two pick. Alex Caruso kind of just works his way up two way contract, mm-hmm. and now this dude's getting some meaningful minutes on a potential championship team. What a poetic journey for yeah, Alex you, you Caruso. Yeah, you can't write it better than that. It's exactly. like he's like if Brian Scalabrini actually ended up like doing something decent on the team. You know? <laughs> oh, for the <laughs> just like Boston that. Celtic yeah, because he's just like that meme player. Like in the offseason, <laughs> he was that meme player that everyone's just like super stoked on. But like Caruso's actually playing decent basketball too. So he's backing it up, which like that's just going to increase his fanfare even more. Oh yeah, he's crucial to the Lakers team right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's the TJ McConnell. Yeah, and then on the <laughs> other side we got Colby White, three straight thirty-plus games for the NBA rookie, the young point guard shooting eighteen for thirty-one over the last over the last three games. 
uh, routinely playing more than 30 minutes in the lineup. What do you think about this guy, Sean? This is interesting. It's like I, I really didn't pay much attention to him over the course of the season because he wasn't really doing much. Yeah. Um, and we talked about it when he got drafted there. It's like they already have a crowded backcourt there. They have Chris Dunn. They brought in uh, Tomas Sadoransky in free agency, <laughs> and then they drafted Kobe White. So you're like, how are they going to get minutes for this guy? And it it's becoming more and more apparent, I think, that they really did stunt his growth by bringing in Sadoransky, by insisting on playing Dunn, because he's now showing what he can do. <laughs> If you give him the minutes to do it, even still playing off the bench, at least he's getting his 30-plus minutes in that Lou Williams type of role. And it's like, has Chris Dunn ever scored 30 points three games in a row? Has Sadoransky? No. (laughs) Neither of them have done that, yet you're still playing them over Kobe White. Let this kid play for you. Let him develop and become that NBA player, that superstar you want him to become. Because this is this is ridiculous. I don't even know the stat on the last time a rookie put up three thir- three straight thirty point games. You you got to play this guy. You got to yeah. let him grow. Yeah, and I think this is a Bulls team that needs all the scoring right now with Larry Markinen now, Wendell Carter Jr. out, yep. Porter Porter Jr. out. Who else? Thaddeus Young out. I mean, this. No, he's he's in. Oh, he's, he's in. Yeah. <laughs> okay, this is a team that's hurting for points. So for Kobe White to go off and do this. At the, I mean, at the same time with Zach Levine also going off right next to him, I think it's a good showing. It's, it's like this might be the oh, yeah. the guard pairing of the future here for this young Bulls team. Oh, totally. Like, you, you cannot – I mean, they, it looks like they're going to keep Kobe White on the bench for a little longer. Mm-hmm. It's inevitable, though. Like, at least – at the very least, next at the start of next season, he's got to be your starting point guard. There's no question about it. Yeah. How about Bradley Beal? Two back-to-back 50-point <laughs> games we talked about earlier, but just both resulting in losses and Bradley Beal being very <laughs> expressive of that after the game, saying none of it matters because of the loss. So, I mean, Bradley Beal's out here just playing his butt off, but this guy also signed the extension last summer. He could have been looking into an offseason where he would have the freedom to move, but he decided against <laughs> it, and now he's in this situation John Wall might be coming back next year, but who God knows what John Wall you're yeah, going to be Who getting. knows what he's going to be like. Yeah, yeah, that's scary. Yeah, where where do you draft John Wall next year? Where do you draft John Wall? Yeah, in fantasy drafts. That's a good one. I start, actually thought about it for a little bit <laughs> after I saw these performances from Bradley Beal. I'm not sure. Maybe he maybe he drops as low as the third or fourth round in a 12-man yeah, league. I was, I was going to say fourth round. Which yeah. is like you could end up with a steal with yeah. John Wall. But yeah, Bradley Beal, I mean, just holding on to that slim chance that Washington has to still make the playoffs and make make at least something respectful out of out of this <laughs> season that's been otherwise very torturous for this team, I would say. It's just mm-hmm. been it's just been a horrible, horrible run of things for them. And man, he's he's doing everything he can and fifty plus in two straight days in a row. One pathetic loss to the Bulls, the other one a heartbreaker in OT to Milwaukee. Yeah. Like, you just got a feel for this guy. He's trying so hard, much like Damian Lillard in a similar position, in the exact same seating over on the Western Conference side to just will his team to victory. And it's just not happening. Yeah. It's, it is kind of crazy that the Wizards do still have a legitimate chance. Not a legitimate, but like, there is a chance yeah, they sneak into outside, the playoffs. Yeah. 
they would need to go on a miraculous win streak still. Like they need to win like five games in a row, which I do not see happening. Yeah, twenty one and thirty six still owning the ninth seed is kind of kind of crazy. Uh, right, but it is Eastern <laughs> Conference. Um, I wish I could put the Eastern Conference here on worst performances of the week because this <laughs> records are just awful. But let's go with Michael Carter Williams. Thirteen minutes, one for six, two points, and fouls out in the win over the Hawks. <laughs> Michael Carter Williams. He's back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then he left as soon as he came. <laughs> Thirteen minutes he fouled out. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to say about this. You know, it happens. And how about the Indiana Pacers? Only eighty one points against the Raptors on Sunday, shooting thirty two percent from the field. I mean eighty one points is respectable or just kinda average back in their back in the nineties and <laughs> early two thousands, but like what we were talking about, I mean, dude, you can score a hundred points and still get blown out in today's NBA. So to only get to eighty-one, right. that's an awful night. Yeah, eighty-one is just like, man, you guys were all show, showed up hungover. Yeah, like that's that's like what it amounts to. And on the other side, that's funny. Uh, on like, just yesterday on Tuesday, the Charlotte Hornets go out <laughs> and the Pacers hold them to eighty points. Wow! So a little bit of redemption there for the Pacers from that abysmal performance against the Raptors. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Hornets doing them one better uh, by scoring one point less <laughs> for the worst performance of the week. Entire team just shooting thirty three percent from the field and then forty four percent from the free throw line. <laughs> oh, what? How many free throws did this team shoot? That's uh, just awful. Ele- just eleven. They were four of eleven. Wow, forty-four percent. Is there? Is that? Does that happen? That cannot happen often. It doesn't happen often. Forty-four percent. That that is awful. like that is like that is as bad as probably some of those Laker games where uh, <laughs> from a couple of years ago. Yeah, that that's still bizarre. that's crazy. Free throw. Oh, sorry, I was, off, I was off on the uh, I was off on it. Uh, the fractions is actually they're eight of eighteen. Eight, Eight of 18. 18 from the free throw line. Still, I mean, the 44% still stands as the oh, awful yeah, metric. Still terrible. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay. I mean, if only one, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't really want to dissect it any further. Just that yeah. alone <laughs> stands as awful. Pathetic. Yeah. Pathetic. <laughs> Anyways, closing the podcast off here. We've talked about these two guys a lot today. Zion and John Morant, Memphis versus Pelicans, but still nonetheless, Pelicans three games behind the eight seed with Memphis getting beat by the Houston Rockets last night. And the Pelicans right now are looking ahead as five 538, a statistical website, puts them at a 68% chance of catching the eighth seed and Memphis wow. a 6% chance of maintaining it. The Pelicans got themselves an easy road ahead with with some with some difficult teams, one more against the Lakers, one more against the Clippers, uh, and the crucial two games against the Memphis Grizzlies where overall they have the second easiest schedule here. So it looks, from my standpoint, I said John Moran has Rookie of the Year, but if Zion manages to take that eighth seed, that Rookie of the Year has to respectfully be his. And that's looking oh, yeah. very <laughs> likely at this point. <laughs> oh, man. I can't believe it's a 68% chance. It's Crazy. like more likely the Pelicans make it with a three-game deficit. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, yeah, I have to agree. Zion will win Rookie of the Year if they make the playoffs and that it all hinges on them making the playoffs but either way this dude's insane yeah it's ridiculous this this is the team he deserves dead it last. he's only played thir- he's only played 13 games and i already feel like he deserves rookie of the year <laughs> that's crazy i didn't yeah i had looked up the number of games forgot 
And now that you brought it up, it's I'm biz- I'm just amazed again. 13 games it feels like it feels like 30 games for some reason. Yeah, he's just such a sensational entertainer, mm-hmm. a sensational talent. He's made an immediate impact on the floor. He just commands so much attention from both the fans and the players gu- guarding him, right. playing against him. It's it's just ridiculous. He he is already a superstar. Yeah, he's literally just a walking supernova that attracts everything <laughs> to him. Worth the yes. hype. Worth the hype. Well, oh, 100%. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in and catch us week in and week out with our latest breakdown of NBA news, best performers, and worst performers. Yes, sir. Have a good week, everybody. Yeah.